Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Today's guest, two plural guests on Talk of Champions, Shay Hodge, former Ole Miss wide receiver and Ole Miss catcher Hayden Dunhurst. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. This podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, an affiliate of On3.com. Hey, buddy, what's up? What's up, Ben? How you feeling? Good, good. I saw I saw we got Shea Hodge on here. I saw him this weekend. It was um it was cool to see him. I mean he still like he could play a little bit in pretty good shape there. I feel like they need to do that every single year, at least one game bringing all former players they can back. Yeah, man. I think it was oh well, I mean it's just it should be it should be like that for, for multiple games. There's a lot of players over the years that, that wouldn't want to come back. You know, some will come some weeks, some wouldn't, but Apparently that was it was really cool. It's it got a lot of good feedback. Um, a lot of guys were excited to be down there, and be involved, and um, you know, j- just over the years, man, and um, all my other teammates from my NFL teams, you know, just seeing guys from Georgia, Alabama, I mean, they all have their players back regularly, and they they call and invite them and and want them to be a part of it because it looks good in recruiting for for some of these NFL players and and former players to to talk to recruits and, and be there. So. Um, I, th- I think we're getting. I think we're starting to get on to that a little bit. And um, this weekend was really cool to see a bunch of really good players and um, you know all together. What real role could former players play in recruiting, landing kids outside of the obvious with like NIL deals and stuff like that? Well, you know, it's just it's just the fact that, that they're there and around. I mean, so so you have a, a linebacker come in to visit, but P. Willie's there you know, around town or whatever, and they get to get to hang with P. Willie for a little bit. I mean, it's stuff that people, people dream of doing, you know, he's an all pro, you know, hall of fame linebacker, um, you know, getting some advice from him, you know, high school, yeah, these are high school kids coming in, you know I mean? They're, they're, they're not around NFL players and big time players all the time. They're at their local high school. So, um, stuff like that would be really cool. And, um, you know, it just, it just looks good. You know, it looks good. It shows that, that, you know, you're welcome back to the university whenever you're done playing. And um, it's not a place that just writes you off when you're done and, and sends you on your way. Now, at the Ole Miss Spirit, for a week, you could get a full year sub for a dollar. Well, that deal has expired. But you can still get a year for $10 or four months for a dollar. So go to the Ole Miss Spirit and sign up. It's still a hell of a deal. So far, it's been a tremendous response. But I'm greedy. I want more. I want every single Ole Miss fan that could possibly want Ole Miss news, recruiting updates, team stuff, whatever, I want you on the Ole Miss Spirit. You're on the Ole Miss Spirit. You gave a little update there, too. I saw you. I saw you on Saturday giving an update about the former player stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. I get on there. Um, I, I try to read on there as much as I can. It's hard to keep up sometimes. There's a lot, a lot of threads on there, but, um, you know, occasionally I'll get on there and, and have time to write a little something and, um, especially things that I think that fans would, would enjoy hearing. And that's one of those, those deals where I was sitting there, I was like, man, I bet people would like to know that I'm standing here with in a huddle with Bill Flowers, Mike Espy and Chris Collins and listen to them telling stories about them, you know, doing, doing cool stuff that I remember really well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just cool to see all the guys, um, you know, guys I didn't play with, guys I did play with, um, all in one room, kind of getting to know each other. If I went back in time and I told baby Brad, listen, when you're of age, you're going to be among your peers, and your peers are going to be Eli Manning and Patrick Willis and Chris Collins and all these old Miss greats. Would baby Brad have, I don't know, shit himself? <laughs> yeah, younger Brad would have been would have been asking for some gloves and um, you know, hey, can I can I get your autograph stuff like that? So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, man. I mean, you you know, you know, growing up in Mississippi, um, Ole Miss football or, or Mississippi football, whether you're a state fan, Southern fan, Ole Miss fan, um, most people here live for that. That's kind of what they have as sports. Um, that's what makes Mississippi so special. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of one of those places that's more of a blue collar state, so. You know, growing up and um, and having that that to look forward to, uh, kind of living it. Um, you know, it's kind of my life growing up. So, getting to see some of these guys and and knowing I was a big fan, it's just weird. I I, I don't you know, even though I played in the NFL, I'm probably played longer than a lot of those guys. I still, in my mind, don't feel like I'm I'm nearly the player that they were. So, um, it, it's pretty cool. How did the coaches approach you guys, Kiffin, Lebby, all of them? How they interact with the former players, and how does that matter? How does that important as far as the program and program building? You know, I, I don't know. I, I know that, um, that, that a lot of guys do talk to the coaches. I talked to, I talked to, you know, quite a bit of offense coaches as well. Um, but I'm not sure how they handle, handle all the other players. You know, I, I haven't seen the coaches around, around the group setting before, but, um, yeah, for the most part, man, I mean, it's it, the, the outreach is there. Like if you need to get a hold of a coach or talk to somebody, you can, you can easily call, and and get a hold of those guys, and, and they're pretty receptive. And I, I know that um, you know getting to practice and stuff has has always been open arms, which is which is really neat. Well, if anyone hasn't paid attention to the Ole Miss spirit or gone there yet, or noticed any rumors out there, Jeff Levy has popped up as an early candidate to replace Matt Wells at Texas Tech, according to Chandler Vessels, who writes for On Three dot com. Jeff Levy's name, a native Texan, floated for Texas Tech. That makes some sense because both you and I agree. Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy together aren't going to be returning most likely. I would put it very, very unlikely that they return together next year at Ole Miss. One of those guys is probably back. Both of them, it just doesn't seem likely. But Jeff Levy in the connection to Texas Tech, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the one thing we have to realize is that um, Coach Levy is going to have some offers. Um, you, you don't have this kind of offense for two straight years with a team that I would say is talented, but is nowhere near, you know, top tier talent um, and, and not have a bunch of offers. So I, I think that um, he's more than proved himself. He's a young, um, younger coach, very innovative offense um, by all accounts. Every player loves him. He just makes sense for, for some program. I don't know where that's going to be. Texas, I know he's a Texas guy. He likes Texas. Um, you know, anywhere in Texas, stuff like that. But I mean, it's it, someone's going to come calling Coach Levy. I mean, it's just we we've been lucky at Ole Miss to have essentially two head coaches on staff, maybe even three with Durkin. Um, you know, and it's just it, it, that's what you want, though. 
that that's where that's where you want your program to be. You want people to want your assistance. And I don't know if there's ever been a time at Ole Miss where we've had people after our assistance like this. So, um, yeah, I fully expect someone to come after him. But, you know, in, in the short term, let's enjoy him while he's here and, um, you know, let's make this run going down the stretch and let the chips fall where they may. Assuming that Lane Kiffin is back, that Ole Miss ponies up to keep him, this offensive coordinator, assuming that Jeff Levy be at Texas Tech or anywhere else, assuming Jeff Levy is not back with him, does it matter who his offensive coordinator is? Um, you know, it'd probably be somebody he's familiar with. I think somebody they coached with before, but, um, you know, uh, the, the, the two times where, where, where Lane has had a really good offense or, or an exceptionally good offense aside from Alabama is when he had Kendall Browse and coach Levy. So I don't know if he stays in that tree or what, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be somebody he's familiar with, um, somebody that, that runs similar stuff to what he runs and it can kind of be on the same page as him. Not sure who that would be. Um, but you know, I'm sure that they'll find a guy out there, out there for me if Levy were to leave. What are your early impressions of Auburn? Um, I think that you know, I think they're a talented team. Um, you know, that they definitely have what it takes to to beat you and beat you bad if you don't go on their focus. But at the end of the day, I do think we are a better team. What we're going to have to deal with this week is the injuries. Um, obviously, we're going to have injuries over there and um, that environment. You know, I, like I said earlier, um, I think the other day in the pod was. Man, I hope that I hope they really set them up mentally all week. I, I know, I know, I've, I've had this done before when I was in Arizona. We used to have to go play Seattle, or we go play these big environments. Man, it was always good when we started early in the week, really visualizing the environment we were going to be in and kind of get your mind ready for it. So when you got there, it wasn't all this surprise. You know, we, we were ready to go, and there was a lot of times we went to big stadiums and won games. But it took it took you starting early in the week to to visualize and realize what you're getting yourself into. And that's where we're going to be getting ourselves. We're, we're, we're the hunting now, you know, we're six and one. We're going to be a top 10 team going down to Auburn. You know, there's no secrets now they're going to be coming at your head. So you have to match that intensity early on, or it can be a long day for you. And, um, you know, got to have poison and noise down there that you got to survive that initial wave. It's going to be lit. It's going to be rowdy, but go down there, you know, like, like Kiffin says, man, you got to pack your run game and your defense. And that's, that's going to hold up true this week as well. What's the matchup to watch? I think it's going to be our, our, our D line versus their O line, which is, um, which See, is I think it's the other way around. Our, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's going to be both sides. I mean, it's going to be in the trend. The game's going to be in the trenches regardless. It's how all SEC games are, especially when you play the Auburns, the Alabamas, Arkansas, they have big five-star D linemen, four-star D linemen, O linemen, you know, it's just the, they, they, the best of the best linemen and, and O line and D linemen go to the SEC. So, Every week, that's going to be kind of the kind of the matchup and kind of the strength of uh, both teams, and it's going to be a matter of, of which which ones can hold up. Ben Brown's not going to play. Everything I'm getting, he's out for the year. Caleb Warren did not look right. Seemed like they kind of rushed him back, but he was out there. Looked hobbled against LSU. They still moved the ball. Orlando Umana moved out from center to guard. Bryce Ramsey came in and played pretty well. Jordan Rose played pretty well. But is it sustainable? over the last handful of games to go with a patchwork line like they're going to have to go with, especially if they're without Ben Brown, which they're going to be. Yeah. So what they're going to have to do is since they know guys are out, they're going to have to sit there and play with it during the week. I mean, they're going to have to sit down and, and kind of, kind of put together what they think's the best, best combination going forward. And they're going to have to just go with it, man. I think the rotating thing is kind of, you know, kind of tough for an O-line to get in a rhythm, but they're going to have to figure out what's best or whether, whether it be Bryce Ramsey at center with Umana sliding out or whatever, but they're going to have to take what they have and create a line that that that, that can work and put them in there and, and let them stick together, let them start getting some continuity. 
there's some change that pieces and um, you, know, you go from there. How much does the offense help an offensive line that's this banged up? When they go so fast, gets the ball out quickly, and the running game, you're hitting holes so quickly. It's a read-react kind of offense. So does that help? Yeah, I mean, uh, let me tell you something. Nowadays, offense is much different. I mean, it's you can survive. I mean, yeah, as you've seen, we we were banged up. Um, you know, this week we had quite a fit, quite a few missed blocks in there, but we were still able to produce offense and, and run the ball efficiently, just because you know the the way offenses move now. They're so fast. They're spread out. You know, there there's some seams in there. So, yeah, there there's things you can do. There's not you know you're not asked to go go one on one a ton. You know, nowadays and it um it can be a little bit a little bit easier easier draw for the O line. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this edition of Talk of Champions with Shea Hodge and Hayden Dunhurst, both coming up on the Modern Women phone line. After I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. What's your schedule looking like this fall? Don't answer that. I already know. Ole Miss football Saturdays, right? It's all back, and you're going to be there. Well, when you're making those trips, why not go in style? In the dream car, truck, or Jeep you've always wanted. Well, the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They're going to get you into your dream car at a price point you can afford, and the process is going to be as seamless as possible. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now. I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. Well, Alan Samuels has been with me the longest. I myself have bought a car from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, and there's no better car buying experience. Make sure to ask for Byron or Mason and tell them that Talk of Champions sent you so that you can take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. It's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. It sounds worse than it is, I guess, but Ben Brown's such an important piece for that offensive line. A lot of people wonder, too, does this mean potentially Ben Brown coming back? No, he's not coming back. He'd be a sixth year, 25 years old. He's got to go pro. He's got to. If you don't go now, you never go. He's going to get married next summer. He's got to go pro, so he's not coming back next year. He has nothing to gain from that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's at a certain age now where it's probably you know probably time to time to try to go. I wouldn't you know I wouldn't count on something like that. It just hurts, man, because Ben Brown is Ole Miss through and through. Started forty straight games. He cares, and Lane Kiffin said it on Monday. Not only is he one of their best players, but he's without a doubt one of their best leaders. So to lose a guy like that, it's different trying to be that guy, that leader on the sideline. It's just not the same. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely sucks losing a guy like that. You just gotta, um, you know, but that's part of the game, man. I mean, every team is going to have some important guys go down. Um, that's just, it's just a matter of who can step up and, and step in there. Um, that's just, I mean, when you go into football, you know, it, you know, it's going to happen whenever you start the season, you can look at that, that those 11 guys on the field and, and kind of count on two or three of them probably not being there throughout the whole the whole battle, and that's why it's important to develop depth and um, and have guys ready to go because um, you know, always good as your, as your second team as well. So um, someone will step in there. We'll we'll be fine. It sucks losing a guy like that, but it won't be the first and last time you know a, a, an old Miss football team or a football team in general loses a 
a key piece to their team. Feels like Ole Miss always loses that one guy. It just could ill afford to lose every single year. And I always harken back to DT Shackelford getting hurt in the spring when he was like their only good defensive player that year. It always happens, it seems like. But what's been most impressive about this Ole Miss team is that it hasn't mattered. They've still come out and won games and produced. And I like the motto of find a way to win. I mean, it's so cliche. And it's not like that's new or something unique to Ole Miss in any type of way. But they are figuring it out. They're banged up. And they do not have depth. And they still haven't had to dip too far into their true freshman class or anything like that to be able to produce. And I think that's a testament not only to Lane Kiffin and the staff, but the players too. Guys that you would otherwise not predict to be not necessarily heroes this season, but guys that stepped up and did enough to keep the train rolling. A Bryce Ramsey, for example. Is Bryce Ramsey setting the world on fire? No, but he's certainly done enough. And he's helped, and he's done his part. And I think that's important. I think that's a big deal, and I think that's the greatest testament to this team, what makes them so impressive and what Matt Corral's doing so impressive and why he should easily be the Heisman frontrunner right now, even though Bryce Young is still currently the betting favorite, which makes no sense to me because Lane Kiffin said that too. It's not like Matt Corral standing back there and just waiting for six, seven seconds and all of his wide receivers are getting open. He's the one that's putting everything on his shoulders, and he's getting it done. So... That's the most important storyline and most significant storyline, most interesting storyline about this group in particular, is how they've been able to deal with what they've dealt with injury-wise, significant injuries, and still win. Yeah, this is this is when um, when when coaching shows up. You know, this is when this is when you get your get get what you paid for. You know, that when you get in a situation like this and you don't have a coach that that's very good. Um, you, you went cheap on, on trying to get a coach, and and this is this is when you can get exposed. But but luckily we have we have spent good money and got a good staff, and and you take what you got each week. At the end of the day, you have your 19 to 22 year old athletes. They're all exceptional athletes. Put them in spots that 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 highlight their strengths, and and go from there, man. I mean, you 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 run an offense based on what you got, and that's what he's done the last couple of weeks. I mean, we got good running backs, so guess what? We ran the ball with the quarterback, I ran the ball with with our running backs more or less couple weeks and found a way to win. And that's, that's what good coaches do. You take your pieces and you win. It doesn't matter how it looks. It matters. It matters of getting the ball over the goal line to score more points than the other team and going on to the next game. That's all that will ever matter. So what is the early Bradley Sal scouting report for Ole Miss Auburn? How does Ole Miss win the game? We broke down the matchup and all that kind of stuff, but what's the early scouting report? Yeah, I think, I think um, we're going to have to really get after Bo Nix. I think, I think we got to get to him early um, just looking at it, man, I don't think you want to let him sit back there and, and not to mention he can run, he can run a little bit. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think we go after him, make it, make him beat us with his arm. You know, don't, don't let him out of that pocket. Let's pressure him. If he hits a throw, great. Um, but, but, but I like our chances when we put pressure on him. And then on the flip side of that, man, let's get in there, run the ball. Let's control the clock. You know, let's get off to a fast start. Last, last couple games, it hasn't been the, been the fastest start. Even Tennessee, we look look kind of choppy there earlier. We got lucky with the with the fumbled punt, but um, yeah, I mean, it's let's get, get out there, let's get in the environment, let, let's get that run game going. You know, start out with Snoop and Ely. They have to step up. They're Ole Misses. Um, you know, they're they're the next best options for Ole Miss right now, and Drummond. So that those players, your, your five star players, uh, you know, and, and your team leaders got to show up and be and be be good that day. I'm glad to see Jerrion Ely bounce back last week. I will say this. Something you've been saying for a long time was that Jerrion has a long way to go to really make himself into an NFL prospect, and I didn't buy into that at all. I really pushed back against it a lot. 
because I looked at him as like Cam Akers or whatever. But I think the coaches kind of got into him a little bit about being who he is, which is a speed back when you see the hole, plant your foot and go. And he looked more like that guy against LSU. And it's not just the 36-yard run either. I mean, he was making more decisive runs. And I don't know if he's going to be back next year or not, but I do think that it trends more toward returning next year unless he continues down this current trajectory and can be that player that we saw on Saturday. I, I just, I guess I didn't put enough credit into how not fully formed he was as a true running back, as a guy that NFL teams could look at and say, okay, I can draft you with high draft capital and trust that you can go out there and not necessarily get 25 carries, but 12 to 18 and be okay. Because Jerrion hasn't shown that yet. But Jerrion showed that on Saturday. I'm really intrigued to see whether or not we're going to see a game where Jerrion, Snoop, and Henry Parrish all find a way together to dominate. Because we haven't seen that yet. It's always been two of the three. So I'm, I'm ready to see that one game. But Jerrion's starting to look more and trend more towards the player I thought he was. And it was just really interesting to hear Lane and even Jerrion break that down as far as who he was as a player and what he wasn't doing and now realizing what he needs to be for this team moving forward. Because when you think about all the injuries, and I think Braylon Sanders is probably going to play against Auburn, Jerrion Ely is the guy that can replace those touches. He's got that kind of skill set. He can do so much with the ball in his hands, but he just hasn't done anything with it this year until Saturday when he looked like the player they need him to look like. Yeah, I, th- I think the talent's there with Ely. I, I think I just don't think the sense of urgency has been there. And, you know, like I said this week, man, sometimes sometimes you realize, you know, there's guys passing you up, there's guys getting there before you, yeah. and you're supposed to be, you know, all-American kind of guy, and maybe you got a little lax or a little complacent. But, man, he really looked good running the ball this week, and, and, and now he like he was running with attitude. And that's what I've been wanting to see. He was nothing against the kid. He's got unbelievable talent. He's fast. He makes really good cuts, um, you know, in the open field, he can make guys miss, but you know, I just feel like he's, he's always been kind of a tiptoer. And this week you didn't see that, man. He hit the ball. He hit it. He, he used, he, he looked like the guy I thought he would be, but guess what? He was a third back off the bench this week. And, and sometimes when that happens, man, uh, it can make you have a chip on your shoulder. You can respond one or two ways. You can hang your head and, and then have a crappy attitude and let it get worse. Or you can go out there and fight and claw and, um, and, and, and get your way back to being the first running back off the bench. So, um, that's what he did this week. He looked good. Um, he really did. He made some really good runs. He ran hard. Um, you know, he made us he made us read and ran, and that's what I've been waiting to see out of him. He he looked good. Let's hope that that that's um, you know what he does going forward because that's surely what Snoop does, and and that's why Snoop has success because he he does stick his fit, foot in the ground, and um, you know once he goes downhill, he's he, he's full go. That memorable Saturday against LSU with Eli retiring his jersey and all the former players and all the recruits in town. It's kind of stretched into Monday night. We're recording on a Monday night while the Seahawks and the Saints are playing. And there's Peyton <laughs> wearing the Ole Miss number 10 red jersey because Ole Miss beat Tennessee. And that was the bet with Eli and Peyton. It's just really cool. It feels like Ole Miss is just at an apex moment, right? It just feels like Ole Miss is at a place that seems so distant not that many years ago that it would never get back to that place of national relevancy. And it's just all over the place right now. And, and I felt like that, I think I said this on the post-game show too, I felt like Saturday was a program-defining day. And if Ole Miss is able to go out there and take care of business at Auburn, I really find it hard to believe that they're not going to win out. And that's crazy to say, but it just looks that way to me. And Ole Miss is really hot right now. I was talking to a number of recruits on Monday, and 
just the reaction from them and seeing the response from former players being so accepting and excited about being welcomed back like they have been for Eli to get retired. And then just on Monday Night Football, there's Ole Miss on Peyton. I, I bet you my dad right now is having a stroke because my dad lived through the agony of Peyton not going to Ole Miss. I told you the story before, right? So, of course, Peyton yeah. was the chosen one. And he goes to Tennessee with Billy Brewer and all the sanctions and stuff. And Cooper had gotten hurt. And had Cooper not gotten hurt, Peyton probably ends up at Ole Miss. He idolized his dad, wanted to go to Ole Miss, wanted to follow in his footsteps, wore the 18. So my dad never got over that, even though Ole Miss got Eli, just retired his number. He goes to two Super Bowls, says Eli. We don't go to either one of those. But when Peyton gets to the Super Bowl, both of them. Both Super Bowls, my dad had to be there. I never understood that about some of you older Ole Miss fans, why you still are hung up on Peyton. But right now, if you're watching Monday Night Football like I am, you're probably having a stroke or a conniption because he's finally wearing an Ole Miss jersey. It's kind of tripping me out. <laughs> yeah, man, that's um, that's it's always fun listening to people people talk about that. Oh, it's never ending. It's never going to stop. But I do think that if Ole Miss beats Auburn, it's winning out because I don't think Ole Miss is going to lose to Texas A&M at home. The only thing that concerns me or gives me trepidation in that way, how banged up Ole Miss is. Because it feels like that's going to catch up to you in some way. We thought it was going to catch up to him against LSU because the start was so bad. And it looked like Ole Miss was completely outmatched. And then, boom, the Tyshim Johnson play happens. And Ole Miss rattles off 31 straight points and looks like Ole Miss, even with a patchwork offensive line. And it all goes back to that defense. What's changed defensively? Because we've talked about this before, and we touched on it a little bit in the postgame show, but really, now that you've had some days to think about it, what's really changed defensively? Well, number one, like I said after the Arkansas game, and I've said this multiple times, is that was about as that was about as tough as two games we were going to face. I mean, both those teams were absolutely amazing run teams. I mean, it just that they were they were our weakness, you know, big time. And I think I think it's had a combination of hey. Some of the teams we're playing aren't quite like those two. So we kind of got, um, you know, aside from those two games, our defense has been fine. You know, they, they've been serviceable this year. And um, I think it's just a, a matter of us going after the quarterback. I mean, I, I said it before that it would change things. And, hell, we've had 10 sacks in the last two games. I mean, that's that's incredible. That's a, that's a really good pace. And and um, I, I think we're just we're starting to take some more chances and, and we're, we're bringing guys into the box. Um, and you know, we're, we're, we're willing to give up a pass or two to, to get a few sacks and, and that's what we've done. And, and at the end of the day, it, once you start getting after that quarterback, man, it, um, it gets really fun. And, and we, we finally early on, he was hitting a couple throws on us, but, um, you know, once you started getting to him and getting to him multiple times in a row, it, it just, it really ignited the crowd. And, um, last thing we, we needed to do, we needed to do or need to do going forward is let a quarterback sit back there and just, um, have all day to throw and, and look better than he actually is. What if I told you Sam Williams is second in the SEC in sacks? He's got eight. He's working his way into the top four rounds, man. Oh, see, uh, Sam, listen, Sam off of the talent and on the hoof alone, is somebody somebody's going to end up taking a chance on him. Now, I don't know what they think about him, you know, as far as pure pass rush, because it's hard to see, you know, you know, how good he is at pure pass rushing because he's never really one-on-one. He's always got, you know, he's, we always play at three down, so he doesn't actually get a get a rush with a with – a, um, next to a three technique who's going against the guard, which is what a lot of times, you know, you have. So you don't have a guard coming out there taking away your inside move. Just just like um, you know, it's a, that's just tough sledding. So um yeah, the fact that he's getting this production of a three down rush is is pretty good. And and off the off the I mean, the way he runs, he's going to have a chance, man. When you're that big and, you know, built like that and I think he's gonna I guarantee he runs a four or five or better, which for a guy that size, it's gonna it's gonna pop some eyes for sure.
It's been a rambling talk of champions, but DK Metcalf had an 84-yard touchdown reception on Monday night. He had a max speed of 21.31 miles per hour on his touchdown reception. His fastest as a ball carrier this season. My God. How did he last until the very last pick in the second round? Like, what in the world? I, I swear to God, it feels like NFL drafted uh, scouts and evaluators, they're just trying to find ways not to draft guys. Because he seemed like a slam dunk. Yes, there were health issues and stuff like that. But the same thing with Sam Williams or Matt Crowley, whoever. They're going to pick him apart and whatever. Just put on the film. Put on the game tape and you'll see a player that's going to produce at the next level. Now, it really matters because I saw one um, draft prediction or projection for Matt Crowley recently. And it was to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, that's later in the first round. That means he's not the first one or two quarterbacks off the board. But holy cow, the fit would be great. I mean, you would think a spread with the 49ers or something like that, but Trey Lance obviously is there and he's the future. But you get what I'm saying? I was thinking, yeah, that makes some sense. Same thing with DK. He landed in the perfect spot and A.J. Brown landed in the perfect spot in Tennessee with what he does well. What is the deal? I just do not understand it. And, and you look at that breakneck speed of DK Metcalf, that straight line speed. He always had that. That's not new. Yeah, sometimes you just overlook guys, man. And and that they get too enamored with, oh, he has his change direction was bad. Well, he's yes, not going to be in the slot. His three cone yeah, drill he, was so bad. He's not going to be in the slot, baby. He's coming, he's running downtown, and um, that's the kind of player he is. And you know, he's he's absolutely manhandling this this guy from this Adamar kid from from Ohio State. They're absolutely going at it. He's just crushing them. Big body. He should he should have been first round. But I think you go back to to what you said on he was in college. You know, had some injury issues. Um, you kind of had AJ Brown there as well. And, um, you know, a lot of people were saying he wasn't even the best receiver on his team. So, um, yeah, I mean, from, from a sheer talent standpoint, man, I mean, he is, uh, he definitely going, if you were to redraft that class, he would probably be in the top 10. Tom Brady has now joined the Manning cast. That's good stuff. All right. We've got to jump to Shea Hodge and Hayden Dunhurst. Last final thoughts before we jump to those two guys about Auburn, just the early impressions and stuff like that. And we got Jarrell Poe coming up on Thursday. Good friend of the pod. Jarrell Poe's coming back. He was in town this weekend. But final thoughts early on and defending Bo Nix and stuff like that. Yeah, like I said earlier, man, let's just get down there, get after the quarterback. Um, you know, I, I say we come at him and come at him a lot. I, th- I think you're going to see similar game plan to, to Tennessee. Where, where, where we really, really bring some different pressure from off the edges and up the middle. And, and I think Chance Campbell will probably be spying him most of the game. If I had to guess him or Mark Robinson, which either one of those guys are very capable of doing that. Um, and then, man, like, like I said, let's get down there and let's let's be ready for the environment. Let, let, let's have, have um, you know, wide eyes, be ready to go. Don't go down there and mosey into this thing now because they're going to be coming at you. And it's going to be 86, 87,000 people, 90,000 people freaking over your head. I'm ready to go. We're going to have to go on there, poised, ready to go. And um, you know, let's, let's get the run game going. And I think we're going to be fine. But but we can't go on there and make mistakes and, and let the noise um, you know, get, get after us. And at the same time, and hopefully they, they harped on penalties this week. You know, I think penalties have hurt us throughout the year. If I'm not mistaken, maybe the most penalized team in the nation or something crazy. I saw stat. More um, SEC. And, um, you know, that, that we got, we're going to have to play a good game. You're not going to be going there and – and get get long runs called back and and drop touchdowns again like you did in Tennessee or or, or you know you may not get lucky this time but yeah that, that's kind of what it, you have to go on there and play play good sound football maybe play some buy or sell on Thursday Poe's going to be here we just sat down and started talking tonight I'm exhausted it's been a really long Monday but talk of champions rolls on and that's Bradley South former Ole Miss offensive lineman eight year NFL vet if you haven't already subscribe or review talk of champions in iTunes and when you do leave a five star review it doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. 
This podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. An affiliate of on3.com. Jumping now to Shea Hodge and Hayden Dunhurst on the Modern Woman phone line. Thanks, buddy. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Going first to Shea Hodge on the Modern Woman phone line after we hear from BNA Bank and Chinese Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. It's the most wonderful time of the year. No, it's not Christmas time. It's football season, specifically Ole Miss football season. You want to be there, right? In the Grove, in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, cheering on the Rebels every single Saturday. The only way to do that is to make sure you're healthy, to take care of yourself, to have a pharmacy that you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays, you can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter going now to the Modern Woodman Phone Line to speak to my buddy Shay Hodge, former Ole Miss wide receiver. Hey, man. Hey, man. How are you? Man, I'm doing excellent, man. I cannot complain at all. You were in, you, man? I'm good. You were in town this weekend. How'd that go? Man, it went excellent, man. Getting to see all the old, you know, the older um, players and my old teammates, man. It, it took me back. Um, made me want to be there even longer, man. 
a lot's been made of that, all the former players coming back into town. The way you viewed it and the way that former players have been treated up to this point, how important was it to have that show towards the former players to welcome them back in that way? And what benefit can that provide for Ole Miss to have all you guys involved in some capacity? I would say in the with the former staffs and everything or, or whoever's in charge of it, I feel like it hasn't been a great job done to invite us back and for us to feel, you know, welcome. Um, <clears throat> so for it, for it to happen, this game was, like, huge, man. Um, I felt a lot of camaraderie, you know, um, a lot of guys, you know, happy to see each other, happy to be back, you know, be a part of a winning program. You know, we 6-1 and one now, and, you know, it only makes it even better, you know, when you're good. So it was huge, man. Whoever gets the credit for it, which I'm going to assume it will be Kiffin, um, whoever I think it was, was was great, and that was one of the knocks I would say about our program that we didn't really do much for the former guys um, about coming back and you know being able to be on the field, especially the guys that, that broke records or had like big time influence in the program. I feel like they should always be welcome back. You know, not to say the guys that didn't do as much shouldn't, but especially the guys that did a lot. So, um, and there's a huge momentum, something we can use in recruiting to tell kids like when you're done, man, like hey. You're still gonna be welcome back. You're gonna be you're gonna be um backed by the alumni. They're gonna help you, you know, re- uh, reach out for resources and all type of things that you'll need, you know, in your adult life that they're that not seen when you're going through the process. So um, overall, man, it was a great thing that, that um, the program did, and I'm happy with them. Well, you touched on something that's important because you see every other college program do this, welcome former players back, because you can use it in a tangible way in recruiting to see popular, well-known faces standing on the sidelines. Not just you, not just Patrick Willis or Dexter, run through the gambit of really important Ole Miss football players when you've got, the, I think, what was the greatest collection of recruits Ole Miss has had for a game, in for a game since 2016. That matters to see all of you there, that you're well-represented. And you train a lot of these kids in state. You know what they're going through right now in the recruiting process. So in that respect, in recruiting, how big is that? And it's huge. It's huge. Um, especially, you know, yeah, the name. Because with the younger cat, you know, that's coming in, is getting recruiting stuff, they're not going to necessarily remember a me, you know, a Mike Wallace, a Dexter, to a certain extent, unless they, like, follow the program completely. But especially like when guys like this in the NFL, like an AJ, uh, um, DK, and any other guy that's in the league, Elijah, that's in the league now, that's huge for recruiting. I remember when I came through the process, I wanted to see that, you know, guys that made it to the next level, like when Eli would come back and come to games or people had a bye week or especially in the summer we would throw them and stuff. I feel like that was huge. So I know with younger cats that that's going to be huge for them also to see the former players and how they treat them and, Etc. and especially the parents too because the parents want to hear more than the kids do about like the former players and what do they do for them once they're done playing because um, they say you never take an education away but if you use your resources right and, and, and have a, a decent career you can that can never be taken from you either and people always know you and want to help you and you know build, help you build your life into what you want it to be. Well training all these guys like you do and Ole Miss winning like it is what kind of momentum does Ole Miss have in state do you think? Oh, it's huge. Um, everybody wants to go to the winning program. Um, the one that's winning more than the other one, especially we got the three big programs in the um, state with um, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Southern Miss, two of them in the SEC. So a lot of the talent gets spreaded around, you know, throughout the state, through three three schools. Hey, even now Jack State going to come into play. 
um, with having Deion Sanders. So being a winning program, solidifying yourself as the program, the top kids are going to pay attention to it. Everybody want to play on a winning team. Nobody wants to play for a loser. So um, training the guys. And then also, it's just a preference too, man. Sometimes it's crazy how it comes down to something. You could be terrible. <laughs> some, some years you could be terrible. But it's just like a kid, just a homegrown kid. It's just where they want to go. You know, and they'll just go. But um, some of the top kids I know this year coming out, what well, next year coming out, um, really likes Ole Miss, and, and we really got a shot at them. So, you know, it's huge for us to be 6-1 and one right now and to finish the season strong, possibly could finish second in the West. You know, Alabama's going to finish first unless something catastrophic happens. So finishing second in the West and getting a big-time bowl game, man, that would be huge for us. And it could even play out the way we get in the playoffs. We ain't lost for one game, even though it was a bad loss. ain't lost for one game. We get in the playoffs, that's going to be – tremendous in our recruiting what all kids are you training right now well it's kind of split between me and mike man it's a bunch of them man um, the number one running back in the nation which is uh <clears throat> on rival which is um branson robinson i train him um you got I'm more towards the younger kids now right now for some reason it's kind of like tilted towards that but you know you got dan smith which is Deion smith's brother who's no one player last year you got mike who trains aiden williams who's uh, the number one receiver coming out this year. You got Sunterry and Perkins play on my 707 team that I mentor. Um, you, you got a handful of kids, man, that we got our hands on that's really, really good. And I'm leaving a lot of them out because I don't have it right in my face. And it's so many, I just don't want to leave them out, you know. <laughs> um, yes, off the top of my head, is about uh, Isaiah Spencer will be one. Uh, Braylon Burnside will be another. Trey. <clears throat> My last name going blank on. Oh, Trey Petty going blank on his last name. Trey Petty is another who I think going to play on 717 this year I have a relationship with. Um, there's a bunch of kids, man. Every top kid in the state, man, is about came through our program or came through um, to train with us here at um, SBI, formerly known as D1. Of those kids, which ones are most getting heated up right now as far as recruiting is concerned? Schools just constantly hitting them up. Oh, that would be Sunterian Perkins. Well, <clears throat> I guess you'll start with this year where he's kind of shut his, uh, his recruiting down, which is um, Branson Robinson. His phone was getting burnt up to see where he was going to go, who he was going to choose. Um, Aiden's I've seen still skyrocketing. Aiden Williams, um, Dan Smith, I helped him with his. I see all type of coaches from ULL to Louisiana Monroe to Louisville to Ole Miss, Mississippi State to LSU. <clears throat> you know, all the schools are starting to um, heat up on him. Um, we got some more. Blake, Gun- Blake Gunther, like he plays with us. Um, who else? Who we got? Who we got? It's kind of like an older list here. Well, the question with Branson is this: He's been committed to Georgia for a long time now, since July. Is he solid as heck with that commitment? Yeah, I hate to say it, man. Ain't nobody gonna get him. That's where he's going. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of been. Uh, <laughs> he was a Georgia kid from the jump, man. Um. Obviously, when I train these kids and get to know them and mentor them, I ask them where do they really want to go. Like, where where is your dream school? And they let me know, and I see, can I help them get to that dream? And the first school he ever told me about was Georgia, that he felt like he was a Georgia running back. He looked like a Georgia running back. <laughs> so once they started talking to him and they offered him and stuff, he went down there. He's like, I can't even lie. It's a case, it's case closed. He's not going anywhere else. Son, Terrain Perkins, he's not coming to 2023, and it feels like Ole Miss has made some headway with him. What's the Shea Hodge scouting report of a guy that plays on your 7-7 team, Son, Terrain Perkins? <laughs> the cat out the bag, but, man, I think it's like a 98% chance that he's going to Ole Miss. <clears throat> um, he had some influence between 
not like directly from me. I don't try to tell any of them where to go, man. I just want them to carry out their dreams, man, because I don't want to make a decision for anybody that they can regret. But um, having the influence from me, going to Ole Miss and Dante is from where he's from, and he keeps in contact with him. So, you know, um, I feel like that's was going to push him to want to go to Ole Miss even more. What that is was pushing him to go Ole Miss even more. And I'd be mastermind like Georgia because Georgia really, really wanted him. And he was like, man, I like him. But he was like, man, it's just something about Ole Miss. I want to be a rebel. So that's the cat out the bag. I hope he don't go too far and mess up his recruiting. <laughs> but, yeah, he's probably going to be a rebel. Ole Miss, Florida, Georgia, Arkansas, Auburn. He's got a heck of a list of offers there. 2023 from Raleigh. Like you mentioned, Dante Moncrief is also from Raleigh. But what's the scouting report of Sunterine Perkins if you had to break him down? I would say the easiest way, you know, they like to give comparisons in um, recruiting. And um, I would say, do you remember that one black that ended up going to Florida? Yeah. Who was committed to Ole Miss? Okay, he's another version of him. He's him over again, a little bit shorter, but like all the intangibles, he's quick. He probably start here. He's big and strong. That's number one. He's big, he's six two, six three, and he's strong. He's like an old school player, man. Like when you put the leather hammers on, like he coming to rock your world every time he comes. If, if even if he's running the ball or tackling, which I think he's going to play in um, college, he's going to play defense. He's going to end up being a linebacker, what I believe. He probably start out as safety or something. He'll end up being a linebacker or a rushing in or something. <clears throat> but he's like, man, he's a he's an old school cat, man. Like he. He's down. He'll let you. He's running through your face when he tackles you. He's tough. He's strong. He has great athleticism. He can jump out the gym. Like there's nothing he really can't do. If he really wants to play receiver, he can play receiver. If he wants to play corner, he can play corner. Um, he has very good speed. He's faster than whatever you think he is. I think he's running probably like a four or five. Um, so he's faster than what you think he is from watching him on film. And then, man, the biggest thing that he's he's very versatile. Like when he came from eighth grade to ninth grade. He played on our 717. He started in the eighth grade with us, and we had a bunch of seniors. The cat was so good, we would put him on Deion Smith at practice. Demario Davis, his linebacker Saints, <clears throat> the Saints linebacker, that was like his baby. When he seen him, he was like, man, that's going to be the dude right there. And I ain't going to lie, a lot of us was like, man, I don't know, coach. He didn't look that good at trials. You know, he was kind of shy. He coming from the country. You know, he didn't know nobody. And he was kind of like a little timid, but then as it kept going on, we always knew Deion was the guy. Deion Smith is at LSU right now, and we would put him on him in the 8th grade. Deion's in, like, 11th grade, 10th or 11th grade at the time. And, like, he would make plays against Deion. And he didn't never play corner his whole life. Like, he played linebacker, running back, and I throw him at receiver sometimes. We put him out here and put him in a different position, made him play corner in the 8th grade. And he was covering people like Deion Smith and a lot of the top receivers in the nation, like a core, a core more. We played the bootleggers a few times. He guarded him, too, who was, uh, ended up being, what, three, three or four Star prospect. <clears throat> so, you know, he's always been that dude, man. And um, early on, like, I made this bet on Twitter or, like, I did it. I was like, he started in eighth grade in high school. And I was like, this the best player in 2023. This was way back when he was going to ninth grade. And I posted him, man, and boom, blew up. Everybody was like, man, this dude is, like, really that dude. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's probably, like, my third or fourth time doing it. Crazy how that works, right? Dude. Crazy how that works. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, because uh, I had to do that for Dion too. I had, when I got the program, man, I was talking about him for so long, for like two, three years straight, and nobody really believed me. Even when I talked to coaches, they were saying other receivers better. And I'm like, I see them all at the same time in the same setting. I know which one is the best one, like by far the best one. And then eventually it happened. They put him as number one, number seven in the nation. <clears throat> they receiver, you know, you know, just knowing what you're talking about, man, it just means a lot. And it's, 
Honestly, it's a feeling for me. You say I don't never be enthused. Like you will probably be enthusiastic when I'm talking about recruiting and, and ranking players and, and and how good is this player and, and calling players. Those are like my things that make me super happy. Well, last thing, I'll let you go here. Um, Ole Miss right now, 6-1, and 3-1 and one in the SEC. You were there on Saturday. You've already kind of touched on this, but for Ole Miss being where it is from where it was under Lane Kiffin in year two, just what do you think about the program right now? Man, we couldn't be in a better position, you ask me, man. Uh, <clears throat> when we made that hire, I always follow coaches, man, and certain coaches I just always taken a liking to, especially they was a great offensive of mind, like a Kiffin. And when I talked to him, I even told him and even showed him in the book of like, one of the guys that I really want to study his playbook and how he did things. So overall, man, I was just happy with the hiring, man, and what he's done so far and how the kids like him and how much fun they have. And, you know, it just, it's amazing. And how they've changed the the things around on me, like the IPF and everything. Like me, Mike, and Dick was walking around together, me and Mike Wallace and Dick. And we was looking at all the new stuff. We was like, man, it looks great. Like in the uniforms they get to wear, the swag they have going out there, man, it just, it's a great time to be an Ole Miss Rebel right now. That's all I can say, man. And Kiff is doing a great job, and I, and I know he'll continue to do a great job. And um, I'm just happy for our program. I'm glad to see us being one of the teams that's at the top, not a team at the bottom, you know, and people talking bad about it. So it's a great feeling right now. He's Shea Hodge, former Ole Miss wide receiver. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. All right, no problem, man. That was Shea Hodge, former Ole Miss wide receiver. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going to jump right back to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Hayden Dunhurst. But first, what is a lock? A lock is simply put a bet you can't lose. And with my bookie, you can't lose with the NBA lock of the season. When you bet on either team to score between the Dallas Mavericks or the Denver Nuggets this Friday, you win. An NBA game has never gone scoreless, so you know this is a sure bet. Place your bet. They score, you win, it's that easy. Get paid Friday, wake up Saturday, and throw down on UFC 267. This weekend, MyBookie is also giving all users a 100-risk-free wager on the light heavyweight championship fight. So don't wait, head to MyBookie.ag now and use my promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, and get in on the NBA lock of the season. That's promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC. It's a lock. Get your season started with a win, and thank me later. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Have you ever wondered what you're going to do for retirement or if you're ever actually going to be able to retire? If so, give my friend Thomas Chandler at Modern Woodman a call. Thomas specializes in retirement investment planning and loves helping people plan for their dream. And Modern Woodman offers anything you could possibly need from mutual funds to employee benefits to college savings plans and even a 1% guaranteed annuity. Give Thomas a call today at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And start taking control of your future today with Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman. Going back to the Modern Woodman phone line, it's Hayden Dunhurst, Ole Miss catcher. This is Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter going now to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Ole Miss catcher Hayden Dunhurst. Hey, buddy, what's up? What's going on? What's been going on as far as fall practices? How fall practices been? Uh, Really exciting. Uh, Seeing a lot of new pitchers this year. You know, we had a lot of guys leave, uh, a veteran group of pitchers, you know, seeing some new arms. So it's really exciting. I think we have some really good arms this year, and I'm ready to see it. You're a vet now. It's really weird for me 
Because I remember day one, you walked up, you shook my hand. I'm like, who's this really gung-ho kid? Oh, that's Hayden. And now you're a vet. You're a junior, man. Does it feel strange? Uh, yeah, it kind of does, you know. Um, only playing one full season, and this is my, you know, third year coming in. So being a vet, so it's a little different, but it's all right. How's the leadership aspect of it? I feel like you've always kind of had that with you, though. Always had that in your bag. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's kind of really taken off each year. And this year, you know, just being more vocal and being closer to the guys. I think every year that I've been here, it just gets a little more and more leadership for me. As far as the pitchers are concerned, losing Doug and losing Gunner is going to be a big storyline, not just this fall, but in the spring. you got a lot of good guys that have come in, guys that you know. Um, Jack Washburn, for example, played with you and Gonzo on Team USA in the summer. So give me the catcher, because you're catching every single one of these guys. So give me the catcher breakdown scouting report of first Jack Washburn and then John Gaddis, maybe Dylan DeLucia. Give me a breakdown of these guys. Seeing a bunch of these guys, you know, I haven't caught a lot. I'm just now starting to catch again. But seeing guys like Washburn at USA who can, you know, really throw his fastball wherever he wants and throw it 95 and, you know, a guy that can spin all of his pitches, you know, three, two counts whenever he wants and locating and seeing how he works and his pace of game and everything that he's been working with this, these scrimmages so far. And then also uh, heard a lot of really good things about uh, Dylan DeLucia and seeing him pitch the other day, you know, he looked absolutely outstanding, dotting, dotting any pitch he wanted anywhere, having our hitters off balance and, you know, having, Having old misses line up off balance is a pretty hard thing to do. But, you know, seeing a few guys like that and like Riley Maddox that I've seen who's been throwing 94-mile-an-hour power sinkers basically, you know, just blowing away our hitters. You know, it's really exciting to see some of those guys. And uh, John Gaddis, a lefty, haven't got to catch him yet, but seems like he has really good spin on his fastball. And, you know, his fastball is what I've seen is 90, 91, 92, and it's just – Kind of like Doug's fastball, it's a little hard to hit, even though it's not, you know, 96, 97, like most of the guys in the SEC. But there's a bunch of arms, you know, all the freshmen um, that are coming in have shown some really good talent. I mean, I could go on and on naming all the guys, but, I mean, there's there's a bunch more. But, man, just really excited to see this pitching staff, and I feel like we're a lot deeper than last year. Yeah, that was my question. Losing Doug and Gunner's the obvious, but with all the new guys that have come in, it seems like, and not just talking to you, but talking to Clem and hearing Mike speak about it the other day, it seems like y'all do have a good, strong stockpile of quality arms and maybe the depth. You don't have the top end Gunner Doug, you know, surefire production, but you do have a good wealth of and crop of strong quality pitching depth. Yeah, I mean, those guys like Gunner and Doug, you know, those are those those are guys that don't come around very often, but um you know, being able to catch them the past two years, man, that was an unbelievable experience. Gunner, Doug, uh, that duo. You know, I haven't I haven't seen a better duo since um, I've ever seen them. But you know, we got a bunch of new arms, and I'm really excited. Why are you just now getting back catching, man? Uh, I had a injury with my hand. Um, had to do some rehab for it, but I'm getting back in business now. Okay, how's your hand feeling? I got to ask you now. How's your hand feeling? Oh, it's feeling great. Uh, it was a little weak to begin the fall, but now it's 100% good. Started catching bullpens, and I'll probably be out there soon in the scrimmages. How's the offense been so far in the fall? Have y'all picked up where you left off? Oh, absolutely. You know, we got Gonzalez, JB, uh, 
Kevin right now. Man, we could go Chatagnier. I mean, all these guys. And we got some really good freshman players. Uh, I really love Tim Samay. I think he's an outstanding defensive player. Uh, we got some really good defensive players. Uh, we got the Juco from Reagan Burford from Florida, uh, from Northwest Florida, who I think is going to be a tremendous help for us this year. You know, I think he'll be able to play some corners with us, and I think he's a really good right-handed bat in our lineup. Uh, but, man, all the guys, Graham, you know, you know the usual. The list could go on, but all those guys, <laughs> even Leatherwood and everybody, and everyone's looked amazing so far. You know, there's been – obviously, there's been days where pitchers win and there's been days where hitters win. That's just – you know, that's just how baseball goes. But, man, seeing both sides of the ball of defense and offense right now, I mean, we've seen that we can hit so far and – you know, we've done it last year, and so we know what we all can do. And so we're just really excited about it. To return essentially the entire offense, one of the most productive offenses, not just in the SEC, but in all of college baseball, what's the next step? What do you work on in fall inner squads to take yeah, whatever absolutely. next step? Yeah, what is the next step? Uh, next step is just finding out who the next man is up. You know, we – Coach B always talks about player over starter and things like this. So everybody just tries to be the best they can be. And if we have all of our position players at the best they can be and being team guys, um, it's going to, it's going to be a really fun year to watch on TV. Clem talked to me about how he wants to see more quality at bats and fighting as far as grinding at bats. He spoke to you in that way, how good you were last year, but in areas of improvement, is that it for you? Just making sure that the at bats, they're always quality and you're swinging at the pitches you want to be swinging at? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's always... That's know, always the goal. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, that's always the goal. But, you know, there's always something for someone to work on, always something for someone to get better at, you know. And for me, I can get better at all of it. I can even get better at hitting the ball the other way, more power, more contact. You know, there's nothing really ever you need to start working on. And I think if our team in offense realizes that which we did last year you know anybody in our lineup can do anything anybody can steal bases anybody can hit home runs and I think that's what can make us dangerous what is the focus offensively in the fall I know you got the hand deal you just told us about that but what is the focus anything in particular in the box that you want to get better with uh right now just working since I've started hitting a few weeks ago in the scrimmages uh you know, just it's really about timing right now and getting my rhythm back um, more mechanically than it, than mindset right now. Um, you know, just get the foot down early, make sure the hands are back, you know, make sure your swing looks good and everything. That's that's where I'm at right now and just making sure you attack the fastball every single pitch. Like I said earlier, it feels like you just got here, man. It feels like you just got here, but now it's the draft eligible year. Does that change anything? Do you have that in your mind? You have to a little bit. Yeah, I mean, everyone has it in their mind, but, you know, I think a really good thing for me is that I kind of went through it my senior year of high school. So this mm. year, you know, it's kind of more at ease to me, um, more than pressure. You know, I kind of take it more as a challenge now. Kind of my senior year, I took it as a little bit of pressure, but this year I'm trying to take it as a challenge and, you know, not worry about that. Everything's in God's hands, so... I'm just going to go out there and play baseball every day to the best of my ability and give my team and Coach B 100% behind the plate and see how far it takes me.
you and I have talked about that stuff at length before, but what's like one thing you really took away from that process that stuck with you? Really anything can happen at the last second, you know, uh, people say everything's about what rounds you're going to be on and everything. And, you know, you can't let your mind get caught up in that because you'll start thinking about it too much, you know, kind of like your batting average, you start thinking about it and, you know, nothing good's going to happen about it. Um, but really just taking that away from the process, you know, you know, uh, really everything is unexpected. You know, it's kind of like a garage sale, first come, first serve. So <laughs> that's, that's the way I look at it. You know, there's no, there's no really way to plan for it. You know, you just got to go out and play your best baseball every day and leave it up to scouts and other people to deal with it. Hey, why are you worried about batting average? It's just worrying about OPS. That's what it's all about. Talking about batting average with me. You know me long enough, man. What are we talking about batting average for? All right. So now, looking forward to the year and everything like that, what did you take away? Losing in the Super Regional round at Arizona, that game three, the way it got away from y'all, being so close. What do you take away from that? What do you learn from that? Uh, I took away that feeling that I had after we lost, and I never want to have that feeling again. So just being honest, that's what I took. Uh, that feeling that I had and I know other people felt it and you know I never want to feel that feeling again so and nobody else on the team wants to ever feel it so I think we're really determined this year every single team feels like it's going to make it to Omaha that's always the goal but last year a lot of guys including you including Doug pretty much said the quiet part out loud y'all felt destined that y'all were going to go to Omaha it was just an assumption y'all were going to get there y'all playing so well so consistently it was such a good cohesive group how much of a shock was it then to, for it to just end so suddenly? Uh, it's always a shock for it to end. You know, it was it was heartbreaking to see that last pitch of the game thrown and then realize that you'll never, like for me, realizing I'll never catch, you know, Broadway, Gunner, Doug, you know, all those guys that left, realizing I'll never catch with them again or, you know, see them around the field or anything. It was heartbreaking. So it just makes us want to – go out there and win and be able to win our last game and be able to say that. Can we just finally acknowledge now one of the greatest travesties in Ole Miss sports history that Ole Miss was robbed of two opportunities with Gunnar Hoagland and Doug Nikhazy leading the rotation to get to Omaha? Yeah, man. Um, but, you know, people that know the game of baseball like you and, you know, other people that play baseball and that are involved in baseball know that, you know, that's just sometimes how the ball rolls and, you know, things like that in life happen, and it's okay. Just, you know, put your head back down and go to work. You know, not everyone's, you know, rewarded anything in this game. It's nothing's earned. I mean, nothing's deserving. Everything's earned. All right, one of the last things. What's the vibe, the confidence level of this team right now? It's got to be pretty high. You return everybody. Yeah, especially offensively, man. I mean, that's that's really been the talk around everywhere, and, you know, just looking at our team, I think we're more athletic this year. I think we can steal a lot more bags, which we didn't steal a lot last year. Um, you know, I'm just really excited to see these group of guys because I think we have some freshmen that are, you know, want to get out there and play. And if we're going to go to Omaha, then we're going to need freshmen to step up. And we're going to need, you know, Juco and other guys to step up. And I think we got some guys that want the spot, you know, want the ball in the last inning. So, you know, I'm just really excited about it again. Is there a veteran or two? Because Kemp's been hitting bombs, but we're used to Kemp hitting bombs. But is there a player veteran or two 
that have really shown out in your eyes so far in fall camp? I keep calling it fall camp. It's fall inner squad. It's got football in the brain. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, everybody, really. I mean, Chatagnier's been hitting crazy right now. He's been hitting bombs. Graham hit two home runs last game off left-handed pitching. So, you know, we haven't even seen Elko this year. Um, we got Bench that's been having absolutely absolute dog at bats just grinding out at bats and you know campus hit mammoth home runs oppo home runs so i think having him is a huge asset to our team and leatherwood has looked good returning for him you know he's hit some bombs uh calvin harris has hit some home runs he looked really good defensively he's been working on some frame and he's getting really good his arms look good um and the other catcher, Knox, LaPoster, his arm looked good. You know, he threw out three or four guys the other day in our steel scrimmage and looked really good behind the plate. So, you know, I just – it's really hard to find a weak spot defensively and offensively right now in our lineup. And, you know, that's what I, that's what I think can really help us. Have you thought about the walk-up song yet? Uh, I haven't – I've put a little thought into it. Um, definitely not going to use the one from last year, but – I'm going to let it be a surprise. Can I offer a suggestion? And you take it seriously. Yes, of course. Go look up All About the Boom. It's Adam Cole's theme song or walkout song in AEW. Just All About the Boom. Go listen to it and tell me. Text me if you have to. Tell me if that's not the perfect right. walk-up song. All About the Boom. All About the Boom. You're going to go, okay, Ben was right. And if you use that... I'm going to mark out so freaking hard, dude. I'm just telling you. I'm going to lose my shit, Hayden. I'm going to lose it. If, if I like it, then I'll use it. We'll All right. see. All right. I'm going to text it to you, and then you text me what you think about it. All right? Fair enough? Absolutely. I'll... Fair enough. All right. He's Hayden Dunhurst. Old Miss Catcher. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me.